This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of CastingAcross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This is the 79th episode of the podcast, so thank you for listening, thank you for subscribing, and if you've taken the time to rate the podcast and leave a review on iTunes, thank you for doing that. I really appreciate it. What are we talking about today? We're talking about fly rods. We talk about fly rods a lot. Well, we're talking about small stream fly rods. So we talk about small stream fly rods a lot. Well, we're talking about ultralight fly rods. I've written about that before, but we haven't really talked about it on the podcast. And before you say, this is not for me, leave an open mind, because what I want to do is offer a bit of an apology and a defense for how an ultralight fly rod fits into your arsenal and how this is true if you are a trout fisher or a bass fisher or a saltwater fisher. Now, just stick with me and we'll, we'll, we'll work through this and you'll see maybe how it fits. But the reason why this has been so much in my mind lately is because I've been fishing a new fly rod, new to me, five foot, nine inch, one weight. I'll talk more about this particular rod at the very end of the podcast when I get into the recommendation section, but it's a five foot, nine inch, one weight fiberglass rod. It's a fiberglass rod, but it is a modern fiberglass rod. And so it has a little bit more of a progressive taper. It's still slow, but it's not so slow and it's not so heavy that it's an inconvenience or an oddity or, or a novelty. It's a rod that you can actually cast, a rod that you can actually fish with. And I've been fishing the small streams in my area with it. I've been fishing ponds with it. I've been casting with it. It's a fun little rod. And I talked about length of fly rods a few podcasts ago. And five foot nine inches, it is such a size where I can get down into some of these uh, foliage tunnels where I can make casts in a narrow stream in a, in a sidearm fashion and I'm not you know, getting into the weeds on either side of me. It's also a short enough rod where I can control my back cast. 
even though it's a slower fly rod, I can control my back cast where I'm able to dodge any trees or shrubs or rocks or if I'm in a higher gradient, you know, anything that's a large obstruction that's behind me. But it's really been a joy to fish this rod because I can make real casts. I can fish real flies. I'm not just doing bow and arrows. I'm not just doing flips and flicks. I'm, I'm actually fishing. And once I get into something, whether that's a brook trout, whether that's a small panfish, whether that's a, a dace or a fall fish or a chub or something like that, I'm getting a little bit of a bend in my rod, which is a, which is a lot of fun. Not to say that those fish wouldn't take a four weight and, and I couldn't feel them, but the one weight, is, it's just a lot of fun with how delicate it is, how responsive it is. And so this has been on my mind. So how does a little five foot nine inch one weight can translate into a bass angler or a larger trout fisher uh, or a saltwater angler? Well, whatever your normal kind of wheelhouse is, if you're a bigger of a trout person, you're fishing maybe five, six, sevens, then think about this as a, a maybe a four weight. If you are a salt guy or girl and you are fishing, you know, 9, 10, 11, um, probably not 11, you know, 8, 9, 10, you know, think about how a 6 or a 7 weight could fit into your arsenal using some of these similar principles. And that may very well be a topic to explore later down the line because I've done that before and I think it's a, a, a lot of fun. I've actually written an article on, a, on small stream bass fly rods, how to choose a lightweight warm water rod because there are circumstances where downsizing offers some um, benefits and actually some of those principles can be the same here and the same is, is true for uh, a saltwater you know throwing that five weight or six weight there can be a lot of benefits in skinny water to selective spooky fish and that might be a species thing or it might just be fish that are pressured but we're getting ahead of ourselves why fish ultralight fly rods my first exposure to modern contemporary ultralight rods came about five years ago when I first fished the Douglas Upstream. And I love my eight foot two weight. It's a great little rod. But what blew me away is kind of like what I alluded to earlier is that this is a rod for casting. It's not just built to bend. It's not just built to be so gossamer thin in its tip section. It's a rod that is built to cast. It's a rod that is built to fish. And a lot of other rods fall into this category. Maybe about 20 years ago when I first started working, 20, 25 years ago when I first started working in and around fly fishing industry, there were some very good ultralight fly rods out there. Zero weights, the one weights, even the, the double lot you know, weight fly rods. But a lot of them that I played around with either cast fish or just wiggled they felt kind of like someone took a nine foot four weight and cut it in half added a handle to the tip section and say look how small and look how light this fly rod is and uh, people say "Ooh, I like I like making a rod bend over when I catch a small fish let's spend six hundred seven hundred dollars on this now not all of them were like this but I felt like a good number of them were really you know noodly uh, in action or short for the sake of being short. And I just think that technology has gotten us to a place where these rods can handle fishing situations. These rods can handle various circumstances and really big fish. And that's kind of my, my disclaimer. One of the biggest knocks I've heard about, you know, these aren't practical is, is one of them. You know, why would you use something that you could just use a five weight with and get away with it and, and make all those same casts and fish all those same flies? Because it's true, you know, I can fish size 28s on a, on, a, on a five weight if I want to, and I often do. But there's situations, which we'll get to in a moment, where I prefer dropping down to that two weight. The other uh, big, uh, you know, 
criticism is this is not ethical. You are fighting these fish too long. You are uh, fighting them to exhaustion. And then when there's a release, there's mortality and, and things like that. Well, I've seen people do that with six weights on on trout rivers. I've seen people do that with eight weights for stripers. I've seen that done for steelhead with people using broomstick rods. The rod is going to have an effect on how quickly and how safely you can fight the fish. But the action of the rod, the length of the rod, and the stiffness of the rod, those are all beneficial or detrimental to the fish on the other end of the line based upon how the angler holding that rod is using them. What that means is, is that somebody who is fishing a noodly glass three-weight may very well pull a fish in quicker and safer than someone fishing a stiff five-weight if they know what they're doing. Now, of course, if you're fishing for, you know, stripers with a, a one weight and you catch a big fish and, you know, for whatever reason, you've got a couple hundred yards of, of uh, backing in on a reel and you just play this thing to exhaustion because you just can't exert any torque on it. You can't move its head one way or another. And that's probably not ethical. But, you know, maybe fishing for schoolies, throwing a four weight. Uh, you can probably play them just as well as you can play uh, a, a fish with a, a six weight or, or, or an eight weight if you know what you're doing. And again, the same thing is true for trout. When the majority of the trout that you're hooking into, if you're fishing a, a one weight, are going to be of a size that you can play them quickly and you're able to exert maybe even a little bit more force on a fish using a lightweight tippet with a soft one weight or a soft two weight than you would with a four weight or a five weight. It's not always true. And again, skill factors into this a lot. But I think that painting ultralight fly rods as being unethical or as you know messing with fish too much is a little bit of a broad stroke. And uh, it's, it's blaming the tool and not the person wielding it. There's a lot of people doing normal fly fishing with traditional gear that are not being ethical because they just don't know how to fight fish. It's almost like we, we focus so much on casting to the fish and making the presentation to the fish and hooking the fish and taking good pictures of the fish that we don't often talk about fighting the fish. And I know that's not true in the sense of, of all the literature that's out there, but it's not one of the things that we really teach. I know that when I've taught fly fishing, I haven't given fighting fish as much attention as I should. And maybe that's worth a podcast or an article in the near future, but I digress. A lot of modern ultralight fly rods are built to, to handle fishing situations. They're built to fight a fish, not just to bend. And that's a lot of fun to, to have a, you know, a six-inch panfish or a, a four-inch trout, if you're fishing on this tiny little trickle, to make it, you know, the, 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 the tip section of your rod bob up and down. That's fun. And these rods will do that more than a rod two or three line weights up, but they're still meant to fight fish. They're also built to cast, not just to bend. They, they are not these gossamer-thin, wispy little things that you're really just trying to get that fly out there because the whole point is to catch a small fish and then to feel it. No, a lot of the contemporary ultralight fly rods cast very, very well. I think the Sage Dart, uh, which I've, I've fished in a zero weight and I think a three weight, it's one of the better casting rods that I've, I've fished for, for trout recently. Incredibly delicate presentation. So you're not going to be throwing streamers with the thing, but for throwing dry flies, it is a spectacular rod. And not just at 10 feet or 20 feet, but at 30 feet or 40 feet. 
great, great rods. And and lots of other rods fall into this category also, where the technology is such these days where you can have a good casting fly rod, not just something that's, you know, bow and arrowing a fly under a rhododendron bush at 12 feet, simply so you can get that fish on the line. They are built to cast. And I would say kind of on an auxiliary uh, perspective, all of the accessories have been built to match. It's a lot easier to find a reel that goes on a 0128 today than it was maybe 20 years ago. And you don't have to buy something that's plastic. Uh, you can buy a machined or a cast reel to match those ultralight rods, and it's not going to offset the thing so much that it is out of whack and, and unbalanced. There's a lot of great options out there. Similarly, you can find fly lines in multiple tapers. It used to be like, hey, you want a zero weight rod or a, uh, a one weight rod? Here is the line that the manufacturer makes for that, for, for that weight. Now, most manufacturers offer a couple of different tapers. So if you are just fishing small streams and you're just kind of having to flip that, that line out there and you, that's what you want to do, then you can find a good normal double taper trout line that can do that. But if you are using that ultralight rod to make delicate presentations with small flies at distance, then you have some more of the technical trout tapers that can accommodate that. And I would say that's true for other species, not just trout. But you have the, you know, the premium fly lines of a lot of these companies go down to two and maybe even one ways. And so you have more options today than you did before. And so if things felt cumbersome or clunky when you toyed around with that 0128 business, you know, maybe just a, a generation ago, what you have today at your disposal at your local fly shop and certainly online is a lot more options and more options that are going to serve you much, much better. All right. So situations. Why might you fish these rods? Why might you use a 0128 again for your, your trout and your, your small warm water and then, you know, extrapolate that out for other situations, you know, downsizing two or three line weights? Why might you do that? Well, selective fish. As I alluded to earlier, in the salt, there are fish that when they get in skinny water, they get so incredibly spooky. So whether this be redfish or whether this even be something like bonefish, then dropping down to that five or six weight is, is an opportunity to provide a much more delicate presentation. The same thing is true for trout. Like I said before, you know, I can fish a size 28 on my favorite five weight trout rod, but I can make that cast with a lot less fussiness with a two weight and I can just bomb that cast where I need it to go. Obviously, I'm not going to be casting 60 or 70 feet with my two weight, but I can put a 30 foot, 40 foot cast where I want it to go. And that narrow diameter line is going to unload that narrow diameter tippet and it's going to unroll that tiny little fly with a lot more finesse, just more naturally. Now, I'm not saying that you get an ultralight rod to mask your skill deficiencies, but if you're making lots of these casts, then use the tool that is most appropriate for the job. And I think that's a big topic right there. Like, shouldn't you be proficient at all your casts with your five weight if you're a trout person? Shouldn't you be proficient with all your casts with a nine weight if you're a salt person? Well, to a certain degree, yes, but, you know, we have the luxury, and it is a luxury, of having multiple rod weights at our disposal. So there are some situations where... You say, you know what, I could make do with my five weight at these trout sipping midges on smooth, glassy water, 
but you know what? Back in the car or just in my backpack, I have a two weight. And so I'm going to pull that out and I'm going to make a much more effective and efficient cast. And then there are the benefits of a much smaller diameter fly line, something that maybe even is half the size, is going to limit how much you spook fish. And I'm not one of those people that gets crazy about fly line colors or fly line diameters when it comes to presentation. But I do think if you can cut the size of a fly line uh, silhouette in half, you are going to, in some small way, limit the amount of disturbance that you are presenting to a fish that is that is feeding on teensy tiny little flies in glassy surface and maybe even slow moving uh, water. And, and this is something that it's it's good in theory, but it's also good in practice. I've seen this happen. And are you going to catch a, a good fish on a bad day and catch them regardless? Absolutely. But uh, more often than not, you, you remove those variables that are in between you and hooking that fish, and you're going to have much more success. Another example, and this might sound silly, you're talking about zero weight rods and catching six inch fish. Well, a lot of people enjoy that. But how about this? Selective panfish. I know a lot of big panfish will not go after the traditional panfish poppers. It's just a lot of energy for them. You look at those fish and they are not too happy about swimming. Big bulbous foreheads and they're just their their fins are like, you know, uh, 100th of the size of their body. And I don't catch a lot of those big trophy-sized panfish which fight harder than trout and bass of a similar size. I don't catch a lot of those things on poppers. I don't catch a whole lot of them on streamers. I catch them on nymphs, and I catch them on basically traditional dry flies with a couple of rubber legs. So you want to talk about sacrilege. We're talking about zero weights, panfish, and rubber-legged flies. But I think it's wonderful. I think it's some of the best fly fishing you can do. But to be able to cast to those fish who are smart, certainly smarter than a fish of a few years class younger, and who have probably been pressured if you're fishing your neighborhood pond or even just a, uh, a pond that's got a lot of big hungry bass or, or you know toothy critters in it, you need to provide a delicate presentation. So can you do that with a four weight? Yes, but can you also do it with a two weight and you don't need to throw a cork popper? Then you can absolutely do that. Throw that foam ant or that little uh, stimulator with some rubber legs on it. It's going to be a really good way to make a presentation to those more selective panfish or even a, a micro uh, strike indicator with some sort of small uronymphing jig underneath it. Uh, again, throw a couple of rubber legs on there, make sure there's a little flash, and that is a great way to get into some bigger panfish. But then if you catch maybe one of those for every 20 normal sized panfish that you catch, then throwing that on a one weight is a whole lot of fun. So there are plenty of situations that they can they can add something to. And even if you're fishing a big river and you're in a drift boat and you you know you've got your five weight that's lined up for dries and your six weight that you've got streamer stuff on, having a three weight or a two weight on there for those channels that might have a really slow glassy stretch that's where you're going to find fish of all sizes feeding on emergers and just to be able to make that cast, especially if you've been casting that five weight all day, and it might be a little bit more of an aggressive cast that you've been making to get out the distance, to get out the little bit heavier fly, even if it's still a small dry fly, to be able to switch rods, you might, in that first and only presentation opportunity that you have, you might be a little bit of a better chance of making a better presentation. That might be a little bit persnickety to, to say that that's what you have to do, but if you have that luxury, if you have the opportunity, there's no sense in not giving it a shot. And lastly, I would say, so, you know, the technology is better. There's situations for it. Lastly, they're fun. 
It is a lot of fun for yourself or somebody you're getting into fishing to catch a mess of small trout on a one weight, to catch a lot of small bass and bluegill and pickerel and other stuff on a two weight. It's just a lot of fun because they can feel it. Now, as I've said before in this podcast, you know, you can feel a bluegill on an eight weight. It's going to happen. You're not, it's, it's not going to be like reeling in the fly. You're going to feel the fish, but of course you can feel it a lot more with those smaller rods. And I found that one of the most depressing things is when you hook a good, like six inch brook trout in a small stream or a six inch brook trout is a good stream. And the thing comes flying out of the water when you set the hook, having a rod with a little bit more load absorption on the hook set, uh, because it's a lightweight, maybe slower action rod, it eliminates that. And I'm not saying that's why you should go out and buy a, a zero weight rod, but those things are, are nice also kind of a, as auxiliary benefits. So you're actually fishing these days with, with lightweight rods that are built well, you're actually fishing. It's just that you're fishing on smaller water for smaller fish with a smaller rod, smaller line flies, and uh, they're also going to handle it. If you are fishing that small spring creek and you do get into a 20 inch fish, they're the, of the technology where they're going to uh, give you opportunity to fight that fish, cushion that sensitive, you know, 6X, 7X tippet and uh, give you enough uh, shock absorption. It's not going to straighten out that uh, fine wire hook. So they actually work. They actually fish. If you want more information, I'll put a link in the uh, description of this podcast on the website, castingacross.com. There is a link to small stream fly rod reviews, and there's probably six or seven rods up there right now from a number of manufacturers, price points that hit below 100 bucks all the way up to probably $900 for the, the most costly one. But there's glass and there's uh, graphite and there's a bunch of different length options, but I give my, my stipulations for what puts a rod on that page on the top of that page. This week on Casting Across, the first article was called Finding Your Water. And this actually kind of talks about my where my mind has been as I've been fishing this 5-foot, 9-inch, 1-weight, which I will talk about at the end of this podcast, and just uh, how getting out, period, is more important than getting out with a bunch of caveats at the end of it. So it's a very uh, timely fly fishing uh, sentiment, I think, in uh, with coronavirus still raging through the United States whatever that might mean. Wednesday's article is called The Pursuit of Fish, Trout and Feather and Casting Across. I'm really excited to announce that uh, Casting Across is now collaborating with Trout and Feather. So if you're not familiar, Trout and Feather is run by Tim Camisa, and uh, Tim's been doing that for over six years now. And uh, Tim and I met uh, online and then in person uh, a few years back, and I followed him, he's followed me, and what I am really excited about, aside from contributing to uh, some writing to Tim's audience, is also being able to more actively share some of Tim's resources with you, the listener of the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast, and readers of castingacross.com, because Tim's fly tying videos and then the fly tying videos from some of his friends and other people he knows within fly fishing are top notch. And that is something that I just simply can't give you because I'm not a video person and I'm not the best fly tire. So I feel like this is a really good uh, collaboration, and so I mentioned some of the details of that and a cool pattern that I've been messing around with that uh, Tim put up on the website. Um, and that you can find that article on castingacross.com. This week's recommendation, the long-awaited, I've teased in the few first few minutes of the podcast, is the Reddington Butterstick 5-foot, 9-inch, one-weight. 
This rod is undoubtedly one of the more fun rods I have fished, but as I've said, it is also a true fly fishing rod. It's a slow action glass rod, but it's not so slow that you can't make the right casts, especially if you have a line that's paired to it well, and I have the uh, Rio Technical Trout on there, and it is just a great rod for casting. I've been fishing it again on small ponds for small trout in the area, and it is performing great. It is doing everything I do when I fish these same waters with a three weight and with a five weight just as well as them. I'm, I'm obviously not throwing big chunky streamers, but I am even throwing small unweighted, you know, size 12 streamers and I'm catching fish and I'm having a lot of fun. I fished the butter stick in the four weight and it was a, it was a great rod, but this one weight is really cool, especially because it's only five foot nine inches. You can kind of get yourself into some of the smallest streams. And for me, for exploring these, these waters where I live in, in New England that probably held brook trout, couple hundred years ago definitely held brook trout a couple hundred years ago and uh, in my mind i'm thinking there's still fish there and so i'm going to these waters and i'm catching dace and i'm catching small panfish and maybe finding trout soon this is the perfect rod for it so it's a rod for fun for adventure for exploration i'd encourage you to check it out i'll put a link to reddington's website in the description of this podcast on castingacross.com Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. (laughs) 